Paul uh, highlighted how Jesus said, I am eager to eat this Passover meal with you. He was eager to gather with his disciples. He was eager to have community with those that he was doing life with. Uh, Paul encouraged us at the end of his message last week to take interest in others and to share one another's burdens with each other. And he encouraged us to take a posture of both giving and receiving, to lean in and find our place in this church community and as our community has opportunity to touch the world around us, to find our place of how we will give in relationship, but also to lean in to receive from each other. So those are the, some, of the, some of the things that Paul was encouraging us with last week. Um, and today, within that context of church as a family, I wanna talk about hospitality. Um, and I wanna talk about how we can serve one another with hospitality and how we can serve the world around us with hospitality. Um, the definition of hospitality is the friendly and generous reception and treatment of visitors guests or strangers. I want to say that again. Hospitality is the friendly and generous reception and treatment of visitors, guests, or strangers. Uh, I like this verse in John. It's kind of an obscure verse, but I have a tendency to find the obscure verses in scripture uh, where Jesus was hospitable. In John chapter 1, verse 37, um, I'll read several verses there all the way through 40. John chapter 1, 37 through 40. It says, when John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. So this was the time period when Jesus was gathering his disciples around him and people started following him. So they followed Jesus. And then Jesus looked and saw them following. And um, what do you want? He asked them. And they replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you, where are you staying? They were inquiring about where, where's your house? Where do you live? Where you know, they're trying to kind of figure out who this guy is. And then verse 39, come and see, Jesus said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying and they remained with him the rest of the day. That's kind of an obscure thing, but I just, I love that. I love these little obscure things in, picture, in scripture that give us a little peek into the way Jesus was with his disciples and with his followers. They stayed with him where he was staying. They hung out at his house for the rest of the day. I like that picture. And then verse 40 says, Andrew was one of these men. So we know Andrew became one of the disciples. So his introduction to Jesus was hanging out with him at his house. So Jesus was hospitable. He allowed people to come close to, the, to him and he invited people into his space. Our God, our King, the one we follow and the one we worship was not distant. He allowed people into his space. He invited them close. The early church was hospitable. If we look at Acts in um, the second chapter, verses 46 and 47, it says they worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. We had a meal at the Faraday's the other night, all of us together, and that, it was like that. It was like great joy and hospitality and generosity. There was a plenty of food and um, that sense of joy. Verse 47 says, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So we see there in Acts chapter two that the early church, it was like regular that they met in one another's homes and they shared meals together. Something happens when we welcome people into our personal space, just like Jesus did. And something happens when we share meals together, just like the early church did. So hospitality is not limited to meals, but would you agree meals are a big part of hospitality? Sharing food is a spiritual thing. Paul and I have often said like, 
sharing meals is spiritual. It's just like, it's, it's as spiritual as worshiping. There's something that happens when we share meals with people. Yeah, let's see. It's a powerful thing that breaks down barriers, right? When we share a meal with people and it builds trust uh, to meet physical and emotional needs. It provides family to people. It ministers to people. Eating is a universal thing that we share. All of humanity needs to eat, right? So when we eat together, it brings us down to that sort of common place of a common need that we all share. Um, Nourishment is a need that all of humanity shares. And eating is a family and and a community activity. Families eat together, communities eat together. So when we eat with each other, we are saying to one another, I care about your needs and I wanna be family with you. When we share a meal, that's what we're saying. I care about your needs. I want to be family with you. Um, as Paul mentioned a minute ago, our friend Stephen Deborah Sedworth were here this week, and I know some of the church was able to gather Wednesday at, at the Faraday's um, for a meal. And while Steve was with us there, he shared some characteristics of the early church from Scripture. And like I mentioned a minute ago, in New Testament Scripture, we see that the, that the homes were central places of meeting for the early church. They weren't castles to retreat to. And so often I think our, we see our homes as just for us. It's my space. It's where I retreat from the rest of the world. But it was actually like a place that they gathered. It was a central meeting place for the early church, one another's homes. Um, and you'll see as we journey as Border City Church that we're seeking to gather in homes as one of our central meeting places. We come here on Sundays together because it's practical for us to have one big space to gather once a week. But the ministry from our lives and the activity of what we're involved in actually happens through our homes. We go out back to our homes and we also gather in our homes during the week and we also minister through our homes. That's where the actual ministry activity takes place during the week. Um, One of the things Steve mentioned on Wednesday night, one of the points he drew from scripture was that growth of the early church wasn't necessarily happening from their Sunday gatherings. It happened on the edges of who they were as a community. And we're seeing some of that as Border City Church as well, that there's people that we're gathering with in the week in our homes who've never even come here on a Sunday. And that's okay, you know? Like we're, we're on the edges, that's how we're adding people to our community. And we believe that that will continue to be the case for Border City Church. So how do we engage the edges? How do we engage uh, the world around us on the edges of who we are as a church? Um, as I already mentioned, hospitality is the friendly and generous reception and treatment of visitors, guests, or strangers. So that definition indicates that hospitality is both a reaching and a giving word. It's the concept of reaching out to welcome in so that I can give to you. Okay, that's what hospitality is. Um, my dad visited my house last night and he was like, did you look up the Greek definition of hospitality? And usually I do, but I forgot to this time and I'm so glad he reminded me because the Greek definition of hospitality, which is the, the language that was used to write the scriptures I'm looking at in the New Testament, the Greek definition of hospitality is love to strangers. I love that, love to strangers. Over the past couple years, this theme of everything boiling back down to love has been so central for me in my life. It's something that God just keeps bringing me over and over and over again too. And I think it's something that um, I never understood uh, and I still don't, I mean, I'll never fully understand. 
God's love. But more and more and more, I'm seeing how everything points back to the love of God. That is essentially what it is all about. That's who he is. You can't separate him from his love and we can't separate any truth from his love. So this love to strangers, I love that that's the definition of hospitality. Um, I heard a speaker last weekend share that um, the pivotal point of her life when things really started to take off and she really began to be able to t meet people's needs and, and have something to share was when she realized that everything boils down to her ability to receive and give love. How profound is that? Everything boils down to our ability to receive love from God and from others and then to be able to give that away. That's where it all starts. And if we don't get that right, we, we are, we're not gonna be able to really do anything of value. The ability to receive and give love. And Paul often shares with us that a way to simply communicate our mission is that we are seeking to bring people into our family and to ultimately into the relationship with our Father. That if you look at it that way, then it's not like I'm trying to get somebody to make a decision for Christ. It's not like I'm trying to sign people up to my religion. No, I'm wanting to bring people into family into community and ultimately if they can meet my father through that wonderful but i'm seeking community and family with people regardless of what decision they make so that's our heart is to bring people into family to show them our father's love in new testament scripture there's actually two instructions to be hospitable i want to look at both of those one is in first timothy 3 verse 2 and this is actually a list of uh, encouragements for people who want to be leaders in churches, um, elders as it's put here. And, and um, he's encouraging that one of the things it says an elder must be hospitable. And the New Living Translation says an elder must enjoy having guests in their home. Enjoy having guests in their home. So the value of hospita hospitality is so important that it's actually a requirement for leadership in New Testament scripture. It's not optional. And then the other one I want to look at is Romans 12, verse 13. It says, always be eager to practice hospitality. To practice hospitality. So practice would suggest that hospitality is a skill that we should and, and can grow in, right? Um, my friend Susanna Sivright in South Africa, uh, she's just brilliant at hospitality. And um, she posted a picture on Instagram this week of this table, this like picnic table that they've just gotten and put in their in their backyard. They're going into the summer season there, so it's warm weather. And um, they got it like a week ago. Yeah, and the, the caption under her picture on Instagram of this table, she says, I've had it for under a week and it has served close to 40 people already. She said, our home should be gifts from God to be used, not showpieces to be admired and preserved. So I commented under her picture on Instagram and I said, I'm gonna quote you on Sunday when I share on hospitality. And then she replied and she said, Minda, yes. She said, I've always been a firm believer in hospitality. She said, the mistake we often make is to confuse entertainment with hospitality. Entertaining is about impressing with my beautiful home, my clever decorating, my gourmet cooking, and few people can do that. So it leads to stress. But she says, whereas hospitality says, I want to minister. This home is not mine, it's a gift, and everyone can do that. I love that. That word minister, when she said, when you look at hospitality through the eyes of ministering, that word minister just means to attend to the needs of someone. We are all ministers. We're all called to attend to the needs of someone. There's another friend of mine who was part of the pastoral team in the church in South Africa with us, and she used to say, if you can afford 
uh, Nicola is her name. She said, if you, to, if you can afford to buy a butternut squash, then you can be hospitable. Now, in South Africa, butternut squash soup is like a staple meal. So I know we don't eat that as much here. But what she was saying is if you can buy a butternut squash, you can make butternut squash soup from that and you can have a hearty meal with people at your table and show them warmth and comfort. And, you know, I was trying to think, well, in America maybe it's like if you can afford to buy a box of cookies, you know, and make a cup of coffee, then you can be hospitable. It doesn't have to be extravagant or elaborate. If people are looking for an amazing meal, they will go out for dinner, right? People are looking for community and family and love. And that's something that each one of us can give away because we have received it. Um, recently, during the summer, Paul and I bought a picnic table as well, just a good old Home Depot special. And we put it in our backyard, which isn't even our backyard. It's part of the apartment building that we live in, but we just put it there in the middle of our backyard. And we have this long backyard and there's an apartment building next to us with probably like, what, 40 or 50 windows. <laughs> that look onto our backyard. And so we just put our picnic table out there and started having our neighbors over for meals and cookouts. And we didn't do it as much as we wanted to, but we did it several times. And there's this one guy that lives in the apartment building next to us. And he would call down to us from his window, hey, what you doing? And I remember one time I looked up, I said, Eric, you're next. You're gonna come down and join us for a meal too. So there's just simple things that we can do that don't have to be elaborate, but that say to people around us in our lives, I wanna do life with you, and I care about you, and I want to bring you into my community and into my family. I wanna just say also there are other ways that I think we can show hospitality. I don't ever want to exclude having people in our homes because I think it, it is something that all of us can do or should work, to, work towards being able to have people in our homes. But you know, there's maybe a moment where you can't do that or a season of time where you can't do that for whatever reason. Um, or even just busyness sometimes prohibits us from being able to do it as much as we want to. So I think there are other ways that we can show hospitality to people because again, hospitality is reaching and giving and we can do that. Um, we can show that love to strangers. Some other ways might be taking someone out for a cup of coffee or taking someone out for a meal um, making cookies for someone or a baked item for someone, giving a thoughtful gift or a card says, I see you, I notice you, I am reaching out to you to give to you. Um, stopping to talk to your neighbor on the street rather than just rushing into our houses. You know, if you see someone, stopping and engaging with them. Um, meeting a physical need of someone around you, someone that's in your life regularly, that person at the traffic light or that person in your office that maybe they don't even realize that you've noticed the need that they have, but taking the time to invest into that need and helping to meet that need of someone around you, that's hospitality. That says, um, I wanna reach out to you, I wanna give to you. I wanna bring you close. I wanna show love to strangers. Hospitality has a lot to do with growing our capacity for others. And you guys know that's the central theme for me is the idea of growing our capacity, but it's not so that we can do more and be more. The idea of growing our capacity comes from a passage of scripture in Isaiah 54, where it says, enlarge the place of your tent. It says, stretch out the curtains of your dwelling, don't spare, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you shall expand to the right and the left. So it paints this picture of a tent that is our lives. And the scripture is saying, make your tent bigger so that more people can come under the covering of your life, so that more people can find shelter 
under the love that you have, under the care that you have. The New Living Translation says, enlarge your house, build on an addition, spread out your home and spare no expense. So whether we actually physically enlarge our house or not, the idea is that we're making ourselves bigger. We're making a space in our lives for others to come under our love and come under our care, um, being one who loves. I just want to highlight a, a, a word, a prophetic word. What I mean by that is that um, we believe that God is always communicating with us. We believe that he is a communicative God and he still speaks. And um, when Steve and Deborah Sedworth were with us as a church on Wednesday night, Deborah shared something with us that she had been writing down for days as she was praying for us as a church. She felt like God had given her a, um, a picture that she wanted to share with us on Wednesday night. And I just wanna read it because um, there's something that I wanna draw out of that. Most of you, or some of you heard it Wednesday night and some of you didn't. She said, I had a picture of a beach, sorry, I had a picture of beach sand, but not fine beach sand. It was the kind that was very gravelly and you could identify each individual grain of sand. Gravel sand is made up of broken down living creatures but also eroded rock. There are also many different sizes, all at different stages of erosion. I felt like it was a picture of your community. God has brought you together and you are from different walks of life. You have all been shaped by different things and are all at different stages of life physically, but also spiritually. I saw a hand rubbing the sand between his fingers and you could see each shape and size. I felt God wanted to highlight some things from this picture. First of all, individual gravel pieces can hold no weight on their own, but compacted together, they create a surface for others to walk on. But for this to happen, there has to be compaction, which brings me to my next point. God is calling you to come close. As you do, not only do you become a surface which others can stand on, but it causes erosion as each particle of sand runs against each other. All the sharp edges are rubbed away. Storms and waves also play a part in the erosion as a huge wave hits the shore over and over again. As erosion happens, which is not comfortable, each individual piece becomes smooth and more refined. Science informs me that the more refined the sand is, the more it is able to be an environment where plants can root and produce living things. I felt that there were many who felt unsettled in a sense and felt alone, and it's because our enemy wants to isolate you and wants for you to remain at the place that you are in. For some, the thought of being so close seems more threatening and it won't be comfortable rubbing up against each other, but it is God's desire for you to come in close so his presence and each other can refine you and cause your body to become strong for others, for your community. I also felt that as individuals standing alone, your differences are magnified and you sometimes make, it sometimes makes you feel even more isolated. But as you erode together, you, you begin to look alike. And those differences that once made you feel isolated are less noticeable. And what others see is a patch of beautiful beach sand that provides structure and security beneath one's feet. And then she says, it doesn't mean that you lose your individuality. It speaks to me of unity and one heart and one vision. When you look close, you can still, each, you can still see each particle of sand but you become more like each other and more like Jesus as you allow the storms and the waves to refine you. 
So I just wanted to highlight that and then let you know that the next morning, Thursday morning, Paul and I had, Steve, had uh, breakfast with Steve and Deborah before they left town. And Deborah told us that her daughter had been texting her, and her daughter said, what's Detroit like? Tell me what Detroit's like. And Steve and Debs have been like four times, but their kids haven't been. And Deborah answered her and said, it's a beautiful city, but it's a gritty city. And Deborah didn't know about this saying that we have in Detroit, Detroit grit, right? Which speaks of the confident resilience that our city has, both historically and today. Um, so Deborah, not knowing that, I didn't tell her at that moment, she just started to encourage me and Paul. And she was saying to us, she said, you guys are handpicked by God for this time in this city. She said, you've got the perfect combination of the grit needed to live in the city, but also the tenderness of the love of God, which is what the city needs. And I wanted to share that with you and turn it back and say it to all of you, that you have the perfect combination of the grit that this city needs and the tenderness of the love of God, which is what this city needs. And that's the reason that he's brought all of us together. So as they left, that word grit just really stuck with me. And I know what grit means, but I love definitions. So I went to the dictionary again, and get this, I look up the word grit, and the first definition of the word grit is small, loose particles of stone or sand. Isn't that amazing? It was exactly the prophetic word that she had shared with us. And she keeps using this word grit, and that's what grit means, small, loose particles of stone or sand. And the second definition, of course, is courage, resolve, strength of character. But I just think that God is wanting to encourage us with this picture of, of grittiness and love together. And I think it comes into play with our hospitality. You know, To live in a city like Detroit, you gotta have grit and you gotta have love. But that hospitality is gonna have both of those as well. If we're hospitable, we're not afraid, we're, we're not uh, unwilling to open up our lives to people who are different than us, and we bring that love and that tenderness, tenderness and that warmth, which is what people are so hungry for. We bring a love that is not human because of the love that we've received, a love that forgives 70 times seven, a love that overcomes any difference that might naturally be there that would keep people from, from coming together. John 13, verse 34 says, this is Jesus speaking, he says, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you is how you should love each other. He says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. It's our love for one another and our love for others that is gonna to prove to the world that we are his disciples and that we have his love. Earlier on in that same chapter of John, before Jesus said that, in closing, I just wanna draw attention to something that happened earlier in that chapter. It was one of Jesus' final moments with his disciples before he went to the cross. And uh, funny enough, this is actually what the kids are learning about today in the City Kids class. When I was looking over their lesson, um, it's this passage in John 13. I just want to read it to you. John 13, verse 1 says, Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper. So they were sitting down, having community, sharing a meal. And it says, Jesus got up from the table. He took off his robe. He wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. 
When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. And then verse 12 says, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Now, in those days, as we know, they wore sandals, they had different types of shoes, and the streets were dirty because there wasn't pavement, so there was lots of dirt. But also, animals walked on the streets. There were cows and donkeys, and if you've ever visited a third world setting, you've seen streets like that that are just filthy with all kinds of things. So you can imagine what ended up on their feet as they walked those streets in their open shoes. So who would dream of volunteering to wash that off somebody's feet? But that's what Jesus did. He volunteered to wash that filth off of their feet. So today we don't have that kind of filth. Well, I mean, some places in Detroit maybe we do, but at least we have better shoes. You know, we walk around with boots on. Our feet don't get dirty like that. But what we can take from this account is that we do have difficulties and hurts and hardships as we walk around the streets of our lives. We live in a cruel world and people are carrying burdens and they're carrying wounds and they're carrying the filth of the things that they're exposed to. And so when we serve others, we are, and we're hospitable to them, and even when we serve one another in that way, then we're doing what Jesus did to his disciples. And in effect, we're washing that filth off of each other. We can refresh each other spiritually just like Jesus refreshed them physically by washing off their feet. And when Jesus was washing his disciples' feet, that was a foreshadowing of what he was about to do by going to the cross and washing them on the inside. He went to the cross and he cleansed all of us on the inside with his death and with his blood. And so when he said to Peter, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Um, and I actually noticed in the kids' lesson downstairs right now, in their book it says that Jesus said, if you don't let me wash away the dirt, Peter, then you can't be close to me. That's what Jesus said to his disciples. Let me wash away the dirt so you can be close to me. So when the disciples allowed him to wash their feet, they received from him and it allowed a connection to be made between them and Jesus, an intimate connection. So likewise, when we wash the filth and the dirt off of each other, when we pray for one another, when, when we see each other and we can just see we're having a rough time, when we see you're struggling and we refresh each other with our love and with our prayers and with our support, when we encounter people in the world around us in this city that are under burdens and hurts and pains and we do what we can to relieve their pain and we refresh them and we serve them with hospitality, um, then it, when they can receive from us, it brings a connection that then weightier things can go across, just like it did with Jesus. He served them practically and physically, and it brought a connection that the next day, as his death began to unfold, they were able to receive from him something weightier of a spiritual matter. So when we can receive from one another, when I can receive love from Tamora, when I can let her love me and serve me and, and show Christ to me from the Christ in her, then there's a connection made that then I can receive weightier things. When we serve the people in our city and we meet their practical needs and we show them that love, it opens their heart 
a connection is made so then the weightier things of spiritual things they're hungry for, the things that they're hungry for spiritually and eternally then can, fall, can go across that bridge of that connection that is made. And I think that's so often where the church has gotten it wrong, that we've tried to just bring people spiritual truth or bring people something that they don't even understand yet, that that's what they're hungry for when we haven't met their physical needs and we haven't opened their hearts, we haven't made that personal connection with people. And so hospitality is such a, it's an important tool in the, in the hands of love that is actually a way that can end up bringing things of eternal significance to people. It, it can actually bring so much more than just a meal or a need met in that moment. Um, I wanna just start to close, but I'd like to pray if we can. Uh, but before I pray, I just wanna ask the question, does anybody know a Tiffany in your life currently? Is anyone connected with a Tiffany? You are? Okay. Well, I just had that name come to me as I was praying for today. So I'll just share with you what I felt about that name. I saw a key and I saw a pin number. And I just felt to say that, um, that God's given you a key or the pin number to her, to her heart, to reach her. So let's just pray as we close. Father, we just pray for Tiffany right now. Lord, we pray for that relationship in Tamora's life. Lord, we pray that you would give Tamora the open doors into her heart and that you would show Tamora how to love her and how to serve her. Father, we receive your word today um, and we thank you that you open our eyes to see things that we haven't maybe seen before about our role that we can play in hospitality and in loving others, loving strangers. that you've called us to show your love in tangible ways. You've called us to build community. You've called us to build family. And uh, before we try to give anything else away, Lord, that that's, that's what you have called us to give, is just that love to strangers. So Lord, we ask that you would do that deeply in us as a church community, that this would be something that we are known for, hospitality, that we would be known for genuine love, that we would be known for um, your love reaching out to others and bringing people into family and community. Father, we know that this is something that our city is crying out for. Our city is crying out for family and community, Lord, and you are the answer to that, and your church is the answer to that. And so, Jesus, we position ourselves to be that. We position ourselves to be that family and to be that community. And, Lord, I know that it starts with, with us. It starts with this family. It starts with these connections. And so, Lord, I pray that you would work in our hearts, that we would be able to receive love from one another. Lord, that we would not be proud and stubborn and that we would not put up walls, but, Lord, that we would receive from one another the gifts in one another and the help that one another can bring. And, Lord, that that unity would be proof to the world around us that we are your disciples. And then that we would be able to give that love away, that wholeness, that complete picture of that beach that's compacted together, that can bear the weight of many people, God. We want to allow you to do that work in our hearts so that we can bear the weight of the city and the people that you want to bring across our paths, Lord God. I just want to ask you while your eyes are closed, perhaps to think of a few individuals in your life right now that you could perhaps show hospitality to. Maybe they're people at work or people on your street or um, people that you see regularly. And 
just think of some individuals and maybe even on your phone or on your notebook if, if, if necessary to remember, maybe write their names down or put it on your calendar that you're going to contact them and invite them over or say, let's go get a cup of coffee. I want to just take a moment and allow this to find a practical resting place in our lives. Who are the individuals? And perhaps also just decide that you're going to begin praying for those people. In our home, uh, there's individuals that we pray for regularly, people on our street, neighbors. Um, we're seeking just to see God's blessing come into their lives and allowing him to use us to be part of that if he wants to. So just identify some of those people in your mind and in your heart. And make a decision of who you want to reach with, with the love that you have to give away. I appreciate being able to uh, do church in such a way that I actually want to do it. <laughs> I know that sounds silly, but like the idea of being together and having relationship and community and that being the very vehicle that God uses to reach the community, that we show hospitality to people. It's like not rocket science. Um, and God wants to use us through that in extraordinary ways, actually. And so we're going to be talking more about some of that in the, in the days and weeks to come. Um, but I, 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 I love that. I love eating food. I love knowing people. I love building community. We're designed for it, ultimately. Introverted or extroverted, we're all designed to, to, to be a part of family. And the people that God calls us to touch are designed the same way. And we have the incredible opportunity of providing it. So um, just before we close, I just want to share Jason. Um, just as we were worshiping, um, I, you know, obviously I naturally know some of a good bit of your um, circumstances. Um, but this just came to me, and I wanted to encourage you with it. Um, that scripture out of Revelations 3 where, you know, actually Jesus is kind of like speaking rather directly to the churches. Um, and I don't sense God, you know, giving you the ultimatum, you know, repent or else you'll, you know, what, that, but this scripture came to me because you, excuse me, uh, Revelations 3.18, I counsel you to buy from me gold purified by fire. And I just feel like God is allowing you to go through fire. And, you know, that sense of the circumstances that you're, you are okay, that God has his hand on you, he's going to bring you through it, but that actually the divine intent through what you're going through is because the father wants his son to have purchased through this experience, although maybe not the funnest one, uh, gold. That he has gold he's wanting to give to you. And I think that that gold represents a deeper, um, an even deeper, un personal understanding in, of, of tr some kind of truth, some kind of reality of his kingdom that he's wanting to unveil to you in a deeper way. Um, and that scripture ends with, he who overcomes, will, I will grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and sat down with my father in his throne. And something of a greater dimension of the authority that God has called you to, to walk in and operate in on the tail end of, of uh, what you walk through. So I counsel you to buy from me gold purified with fire. It's actually an opportunity. 
So we're standing with you, my friend. Yeah. So Lord, we thank you. Thank you for Minda. Thank you for everything that you said today. And uh, Lord, we do pray, let this city and even the nations of the earth be blessed as a result of what we have heard and what we walk in in Jesus' name.